Skull to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online audio and video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, on Twitter, at CLNS Media. Facebook, the same thing. Uh, don't forget the free mobile podcast app. If you search CLNS in your iOS store, your Android store, whatever one you pleases you, uh, the most you will find us there as well. All the network shows on that podcast app, including ourselves. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Uh, if you notice something's a little different if we have a video side of things now so if you're not listening to us on itunes stitcher maybe you're on the youtube channel you can see our beautiful faces now uh but that being said another week of baseball jess thomas lauren campbell and myself here jared scally uh what's going on guys another fabulous week of red sox baseball i got to go twice this week shocker i was at a red sox yeah, game seriously this week. you're at fenway wow <laughs> you've been to more games wow. this weekend than me and jared have been to either one of us this whole season seriously it's been a- oh. Hang your hat on that. I'm gonna hang my hat on that, but yeah, I mean, hang that hat. I'm I'm happy with how this week's going, and I'm how I mean, I, this doubleheader could have gone better, but right now, I, I like how it's going. Yeah, you know, we had the All Star Game this week. Uh, probably one of the slowest week in sports ever. Um, Red Sox started the second half in first place. Big game series against the Yankees. Um, had some controversy this weekend so far. Had some good games. Great start by Sale Ruins. So we'll kind of get to it all. Uh, but overall, guys. You know, could have been a better situation. Obviously, they're playing right now on Sunday Night Baseball as well. Uh, but Red Sox, honestly, so far, just disappointment in the Yankee series leading up to Sunday Night Baseball, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like said, disappointing. And I, I mean, I predicted a much better week than what they had even through these four games. But, I mean, you have to think that it's the Red Sox-Yankees. They're going to be on their heels for the rest of this for the rest of the season, regardless of where they are in the standing. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting next few, couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, you lose a 16-inning game and you get shut out. It's just, you know, you play, what, 30-something innings in two days? <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. You play 16 innings a night before you're playing two games, 18 innings? That's nuts. Yeah, no, it's absolutely ridiculous um, how fast that went. And it was funny because the game that went 16 innings, and we'll get to Jess's recap in a second here, you know, it went 16 innings. I watched that game, half of it, you know, I went out for a friend's uh, birthday up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, up here, if you know the area, you know what I was doing down there. And all of a sudden we got to the bars and it was like in the 14th inning, I'm like, wait, they're still playing this game? Like, what is this? And come to behold, Kimbrough blows a save, blah, 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 and we'll get to it. Um, but, you know, tough, tough situation for the Red Sox there. Um, let's recap the short week that was. Just break it down. Give us a recap here. First video recap, so no pressure. Uh, but, you know, let's do the recap here. Let's kind of figure out what went on with this team, and um, we'll get you caught up in everything Red Sox baseball in the uh, start of the second half here. Yeah, so uh, it started on Friday. Uh, we'll go back to the All-Star game later on uh, on Tuesday. But starting with Friday, Red Sox-Yankees, four games in three days. Nothing more exciting than that. And uh, game one lived up to the billing. This game was... Very interesting, uh, down to the nuts and bolts at the beginning of it. Um, Gary Sanchez got the scoring started in the third inning off Drew Pomerantz with an RBI single, but then quickly, very quickly, bottom of the third, Hanley Ramirez cracked a two-run homer. Mind you, off a lefty, because he just loves to prove people wrong, apparently, at this point. And that, uh, that made it 2-1 to one at that point. Uh, an inning later, Dustin Pedroia made it 3-1 to one with an RBI single. But then, after that point, the Red Sox didn't score again until the ninth inning because Jordan Montgomery was awful in this game, but the Sox bailed him out by stranding two runners in the first, two runners in the second, and then the bases loaded in that fourth inning after Pedroia gave him the 3-1 lead. So it literally could have been 8 or 9-1 to one at that point. It wasn't clearly, which is too bad because half an inning later in the fifth, Pomeranz blew the lead by giving up a single 
Brett Gardner to drive and chase Headley, and then Gary Sanchez, big boy home run derby star, until he lost. Uh, he hit a two-run homer to give the Yankees a lead for a three. Destroyed it into the monster. Oh, man, it was far. And uh, that was that. And then nobody scored from the fifth until the ninth. The bullpen work was outstanding for both clubs. I mean, the Yankees, their their relievers struck out nine guys in four innings. Chad Green had five of the six. And then for the Sox, Matt Barnes had two completely perfect innings with two strikeouts. And Robbie Scott had one perfect inning of his own. So the bullpens were just outstanding. Until the bottom of the ninth, and Aroldis Chapman decided to absolutely ruin anything that was wonderful about these bullpens. He came in, and he did not get a single out in the ninth inning. He was so bad, it was almost comical. I'll break it down for you. Um, Mookie Betts let off the inning with with a single, excuse me, not an RBI, uh, to deep short. Gregorius couldn't throw the ball because it was so deep. And then Pedroia hit one in the exact same place, and Gregorius tried to throw out Betts at second base, and his throw was very, very high and he drew uh, Ronald Torres off the bag, so it was first and second with no outs. Then Betts and Pedroia double-steeled second and third, and it was second and third with nobody out. And then Bogarts hit one to Torres at second base, and he made a bad error. The ball bounced off his chest, tied the game at four, so that was two errors already. in the. Well, actually, you know what? They didn't even give an error on Gregorius, even though it was a terrible throw. Probably should have been an error, but two bad plays in a row. And then Chapman intentionally walked Hanley to get your Andrew Benintendi, who decided to take an unintentional walk of his own in that end of the game. It was a walk-off walk. Chapman was awful. He threw 23 pitches. He got nobody out. No balls went out of the infield. And it was a 5-4 win. And, guys, this was the first walk-off walk for the Red Sox against the Yankees since Ted Williams in 1956. So to say this doesn't happen much would be an understatement. Fun fact. Love that. It's, I it's recapped crazy. it too, so that was my recap. Fun fact. And I, w- I was there that night, so it was definitely a lot of fun to to witness that. But my thing is, you would intentionally walk Hanley, which I understand he had the home run early in the game, but you're intentionally walking Hanley to get to Andrew Benintendi, who we know, like I said, every week on the show, who has the plate patience of a saint. So I'm not sure what their mindset was in trying to you know, walk Hanley to get to Benintendi because we know that he will wait pitch after pitch. He's not going to hit. He's not going to swing at the first pitch. He's not. He's going to wait. He's going to be extremely patient that we've seen all year. So that was kind of shocking to me, but obviously it paid off. And I need to tell you how loud Fenway was in the ninth inning. It was absolutely insane. Like, it was just... It was absolutely wild. I had Yankees fans all around me. My best friend I was with she was a Yankees fan, so that just made it all the better. But it was just so loud and absolutely like everyone was on their feet just clapping and screaming. And for Chapman to blow it just made it all the more better just because we obviously know what Chapman's capable of. So everything about that ninth inning was just perfect. And you said it too, like, you know, Fenway was loud. I, I remember the Nesson broadcast brought it up. The guys brought it up. And it was uh Loudest they cl- they claimed anyway the loudest they've heard Fenway all year, which I believe it. You know, coming off the second half, you know, a game that you're pretty much dead to rights in, and then Chapman does that, you win the game and don't even get a ball out of the infield, which is pretty uncommon in that case. And the whole inning against a guy like that, and the double steal I think is you know underplayed in all this. You know, with the error, um, getting the two hits, and then having the obviously the walk off walk, which is unique in itself, but. You know, for them to be that aggressive to take it to Chapman, um, he's got a slow delivery, and you can take advantage of that, and they did. Got the double steal, didn't even have a throw to third base, puts a guy in second and third. That puts them in the position to have that walk to Hanley to get Benintendi up with the bases loaded. And like you said, Lawrence, got the plate patience of a saint, and the guy took the walk, you know, graciously, and they won the game. And look, the Yankees handed this one to the Red Sox. There's no question in my mind. They didn't earn this. I mean, they did. They played hard, but at the same time, the Yankees coughed this game up, and I guess it's fair considering what happened the next night. But um, it, look, they, they coughed this game up big time. But I think that for the Red Sox, you take that coming on into the second half for sure. Yeah, I mean Chapman was awful. He threw more balls than strikes. He was all over the place. And yeah, I get it. The righty lefty matchup. You get rid of the righty and Ramirez to get to the lefty and Benintendi. Except he threw more balls than strikes. So what's that doing for you if you walk a guy to get the bases loaded so you can walk in the winning run? I mean, where does, what is that getting you? It's like, Girardi should have known at that point, this guy's not throwing very many strikes, so why would you walk the bases loaded so you can walk him and lose? 
What sense does that make? No, it makes nothing. Like you, you should have known. Like when you have Hanley Ramirez up there, I understand it's Hanley, and he he was having a good game. He had that homer, whatever. You pitch to him at that point, like whatever. Like either way, you know, if you walk Hanley and someone hits a base hit, or you don't walk Hanley and ben, and ben, Hanley gets the base hit, who cares at that point? Like, just let Hanley hit the ball. I, I mean, I understand why you walked him, but at the same time. But Attenney's not any slouch, so I wouldn't have wanted to really face him either. And the Red Sox were in a good situation because of that. But uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have walked Hanley. I would have just pitched to him because, you know, he hasn't been super consistent, right? You know, he's been – he struck out a lot this year. He's been that guy that's just starting to play better. So I would have rather taken my chances with Hanley at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's – it's. I mean, if you got, like, the best strike thrower in the league, fine. I'll take him with the bases loaded. But just strictly because of the balls. I don't care about the matchup. I don't care about left and right. Just strictly because he throws balls. It, it just doesn't make sense. I'm no manager, but no, it made it made no sense. I was I was sh- pretty shocked when they walked Hanley just because, you know, once you walk the bases loaded, I don't care if you're going for the double play or you're going for a force out at any at any base. There was nobody out. Yeah, there was you're no one out. out. You're you're still walking the bases loaded, like as you know, sack fly would have won the game. Anything, and it's just. I'm like, I don't understand what the thought process is going on here because you're walking the bases loaded. And I understand the Red Sox aren't the greatest with runners in scoring position at all times. but Especially against the Yankees. The base lo- well, the base it doesn't matter if you don't swing like, that. Well, true. But so like the base loaded, there's nobody out. How dumb can you be? Like You have Benintendi coming up. Who knows what else the Red Sox have up their sleeves? Obviously, they won the game. But it's like, I don't... I'll never understand Girardi's thought process and being like, oh, yeah, walk in so we can get to Ben and Teddy. I don't get it. Yeah, doesn't make much sense. But, I mean, they're probably losing the game no matter what because he was awful. So, so be it. All right. Bring us into Saturday's game, the uh, the non-scheduled double, nearly doubleheader game. The last Seriously. 16 in. It's just mind-boggling to me. It's like, oh, you're playing a doubleheader tomorrow? Let's go 16. Yeah, that's what I want to do. So, I mean, I don't mind. I love baseball, but... You know, player-wise, like, those guys playing, man, that's a lot of baseball. So, we'll take you through it. Um, there was a lot of innings in this game. That's the key thing to take out of it. It was a long game. It was a five-hour and a 50-minute game. I made a joke to Adam before it because we were trying to figure out who was going to do the recap of us after coming back from work late. And I was like, well, you know, 7 o'clock game. It'll probably be over for a good four or five hours before we do the recap. And I was like, unless we have a seven-hour game, and then we'll be in good shape. And my God, it almost happened. So, <laughs> like, like, I guess we were. Um, somebody got kind of lost in this game was it was a great pitching matchup, even though all you think about is the last you know six seven innings where nobody scored every inning. But we had Chris Sale against Luis Severino. Severino went seven innings, four hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts, real good. Uh, Sale was even better, seven and two thirds innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, thirteen strikeouts. Yet again, it's all this guy does. He gets strikeouts, amazing. Um, those weren't the problems. The problem was that. It was one nothing Red Sox going in the ninth inning because Sale took him there. And then Craig Kimbrell got one out in the eighth inning. He got Judge out on a fly ball because they didn't want Sale to face Judge with 100 and uh, however many pitches he had, 114. Um, 118, excuse me. Um, so they brought Kimbrell in to get Judge out. He did, but as we know, Kimbrell doesn't want to pitch in these eighth and ninth innings. He said that himself, yet... He still did, and sure enough, it came back to bite because Matt Holliday hit a leadoff home run in the ninth inning into the monster to tie the game at one. Little did we know the game would go about four more hours after that because literally the game at that point was under three hours. It was a super fast game, Sale Severino dominant, and then, you know, three hours later. So who would have known? But nobody scored in any of the extra innings until the 16th. Uh, just to run you down the line a little bit. Uh, Heath Henry, Robbie Scott, Blaine Boyer, Brandon Workman all worked scoreless innings, one inning apiece. Abad got one out, and then Fister pitched the last two and two-thirds. Obviously, he gave up runs because he's the one who gives up the runs, but all those guys pitched scoreless innings. And for the Yankees, Tyler Clipper, Dylan Batances, Chasen Shreve, Adam Warren, um, Jonathan Holder, and Aroldis Chapman all pitched scoreless outings. Holder went three innings, and then uh, Heller came in for the ninth, for the ninth, for the sixteenth, <laughs> and he uh, he closed the door after the Yankees scored the three runs. So um, that was Ben Heller. But 
The game was won in the 16th, the top of the 16th. The Yankees got three runs because Fister just ran out of gas. He did good for a while, and then he just couldn't get any more outs. Uh, Didi Gregorius got an RBI single. Austin Romine got an RBI single, and Gary Sanchez got a sack fly. And when you get three runs in the 16th inning, a little deflating, hard to get back those runs in the bottom of the 16th, you know, six hours later. So that was that game. I mean, obviously you don't blow the game in the ninth. Game's under out, under three hours long and you got two wins in a row and you're up five and a half games but as it happened you blow the game you play seven more innings you lose and then you're back down to three and a half so not an ideal game obviously could have gone either way Sox been great in extra innings but was not to be do you guys blame nope. the, the Kimbrel eighth inning thing at all for this like I mean I don't blame Farrell for putting him in by any means because he should have but like do you think that Kimbrel blew the save because he in his head he didn't want to do it and he had to pitch in that situation, or is this just kind of a freak thing? Because, I mean, the guy's been freaking amazing for the most of the season. So, like, I don't blame, you know, he's going to blow up at some point for a game. But at the same time, it was in that kind of situation where he has been told, and he's told us he doesn't want to be in. No, I, I think it's just one of those freak coincidence kind of things. Obviously, you know, he doesn't want to be in that situation, but you kind of have to put him in a situation like that. And,. I think it was just a matter of time until it happened. Obviously, we know he's been great this season. He's been absolutely dominant. And he's been almost non-human like and now it's he's come back down to being human. And it's just it was bound to happen. And it's unfortunate timing that like how it happened, but I'm not really worried about it. I don't blame Farrell or anything. You know, this is we should be able to put Kimberl in in the eighth inning if we need to and count on him for it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to fault the guy for giving up a run. He basically never gives up runs. He's basically not even human. So the fact that he gave up a run, you know, I mean, he got out judge. He did the job in that inning. But, you know, what can you do about it? It's, I'm fine with it. because I thought they were bringing Blaine Boyer in because he was the last one they showed show, uh, warming yeah. up. They didn't even show Kimberl warming up. I'm like, oh, they're bringing Boyer in for judge. All right, let's go. And then I was like, oh, it's Kimberl. Okay, that's a little better. I probably would have just left sail in, but I get that he was almost 120 pitches. But it's like, man... You just get that one more out. At that point, you let you let him face Judge, make him the last batter. If he gets a hit, take him out. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would have left him in, but you know. Okay. Then, yeah. Then what do you guys make of the whole um, the, pro- the whole protest thing? Because you know th- this situation was weird. Where uh, it was the eleventh thing, right? I think that's the yes. inning it was. Um, where the Red Sox were trying to double play. Matt Holiday is clearly out by a mile at second base. Turns around, runs back to first base. And then slides in the way while Mitch Moreland's trying to come in and, and get to the bag to catch the ball that Bogarts threw to him to turn the double play. Now, to the normal person, it looks like interference, right? He runs in the way, he comes back and slides. I think the excuse he gave was, I didn't see him catch the ball. I thought he caught the ball. Like, I thought I had to run back to first base. I think it's a little crap. I don't know how the Umps didn't catch it in the first place, um, that it wasn't interference. I don't know. They claim after talking it still wasn't interference. I don't know. The Red Sox are protesting it officially, and who knows what will happen after that. Uh, because they could potentially replay the game if they win. Uh, but what do you guys make of that? Because to me, it, it was kind of crap, and it looked like it was a terrible call. I mean, I literally didn't see it until right before we started recording. So I knew the game was being played under protest. I knew that. But to actually see the play and see it happen, I'm like, uh, like, like I said, I don't know how, they, how the umps got it wrong. I don't understand where they went wrong. I don't know if maybe they were just confused with Holiday running back and forth or if it was, you know, the interference altogether where they were all confused. But I'm like, I I don't know how how this wasn't called. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, you hit a ground ball and then the guy running to second goes back to first. And then they end up there at the same time. Obviously, the ball's going to fall somewhere. You're throwing it at two guys while there's a guy trying to catch the ball when there's two guys running at him. What, what would you do? I mean, of course you're going to drop the ball. It, it hit Ellsbury. I mean, it's stupid. So obviously it should be a double play. Of course they should both be out if you're interfering. You're running back to the base that the player is going. That's not legal. After you you're, cle- you're, after you're, you're clearly out. You were clearly out. Like, no right, questions exactly. asked. The ground ball, Bogart had the ball. He was throwing it that way. You know, if, if um, Holiday doesn't go back and slide to the bag, Moreland grabs that ball, no problem. Doesn't hit Ellsbury. It's double play. Um, but I don't even get after they reconvened how they didn't catch that like that's ridiculous in my eyes and look I, I think it looks obvious that if the Red Sox do protest it there's a really good chance they could win this and then from there who knows like I said could we do the game whatever whatever they decide to do with it but it, it was kind of obvious 
So if they decide, like, they they protest this game or whatever, do they play from the 11th inning? Or, like, do they replay the whole game? Like, what happens if they decide to replay the game? It would go to the 12th, I believe. Because they, they would make it like that that happened. So I think they'd start at the 12th or the bottom of the 11th or whatever. So they, bottom of the 11th, right. Bottom of the 11th. That's absolutely That's wild so to me. So, so they that could they play, could play like half an inning. Baseball. It could be one pitch so if everything nice. went the right way. Like, they literally could throw one pitch and be done with it. And that stuff's always so weird because it's like you're going back in time and changing what happened, like, several days after the fact. That's just weird. But, I mean, I didn't even know a protest was a thing. Did you guys know that, that was even a thing? I knew, I knew it could... was a thing, but I'd never seen it. I've never seen it, like, in action. But I knew... It was a thing because I've I've heard the term before. I've heard about it, but never have I seen it actually like in action. Because I'm like, what do you mean the game's being played under protest? Like, yeah, you could like you can protest the game. Like anyone can protest anything really, but in like any office for any pro sport. But playing a game under protest is weird. Oh, you always hear it afterwards. Like, oh, okay, they're not officially filed the protest, which they haven't done yet. So they they plan on doing that. But you know, to hear them say like. Make kind of officially make the announcement during the game. Yeah, we're going to file a protest. We're basically playing this game under protest. It's kind of a weird situation, but at the same time, I don't blame them because it was kind of obvious. Well, yeah, I know because like, Gary Cedars from the, the Yump was like, well, you can protest it, and Farrell's like, I'll protest. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool, you're protesting. So, And I read they have until tonight, Sunday night, to file it officially, and it sounds like they're planning on doing it. So I don't see why it would get why they have to do it over because it didn't affect the outcome of the game because they didn't score in that inning. I think that's kind of the rule. So I'm not sure why they do it in the first place, but maybe there's some extra rule that, that we don't know about. That. Yeah. I think the right. part of, I think part of it too is, you know, it didn't affect it at that point, but I think because, you know, we've kind of brought it up and, um, I don't know. I, I think there's a thing where they could still, but I don't know. This is me thinking out loud, but I, th- I think that there is still one caveat that could let them redo this game. Uh, because I don't think they, Farrell would even bother protesting if that was the case. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they don't have a chance of fixing it, why bother protesting? But then, like, can you protest anything? Like, bad calls? Like, your review plays that aren't reviewable if somebody gets out? Like, those aren't those all protest-worthy, too? Like, how far do you take this? Well, I think there's some caveat in the rule book. I, I don't know. Like, I think there's something in the CBA that doesn't allow you to, depending on what it is. But also, in the same time, I think that you, if you don't, you can I mean you can protest and lose. Like, go, okay, you're stupid. Like, no, go away. Go back to Fenway. Like, shut up, John Farrell. Like, there, there's certain things that you're obviously not going to win. But this, they, they could win this protest. It was kind of obvious. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. Is that it was an obvious bad call, botched call, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's essentially why the whole protest is happening. Is because it was just unbelievably obvious. Like I said, I've watched it. I watched it tonight. And it was just so obvious to me that something wasn't right. Like, like I said, like you're gonna run back to first, but you're already out. I just, I don't get the whole thing. Just to get in the way, basically. Even though it was, you know, not ten- not intentional, but who knows? I don't but know. He didn't know he caught the ball, so. Right, but if you did, if you caught the ball, then you're already gonna be out at first because you're right there. So just run to second, see what happens. Seriously. So pretty dumb. Anyway, Basic pretty baseball. exciting stuff. Yeah. So one to one, one to one series at this point. Uh, back to three and a half games, which brings us into Sunday game one, which uh, Lauren is also at because she goes to a lot of games. Uh, if you hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> so this one was a three nothing loss, um, just like the case of um, Saturday. Not much offense. I believe what it was. So they scored in the third inning of that game. So it was. Uh, 22 straight innings without scoring yep. through this game. Mm-hmm. Pretty ugly um, when you play 16 innings. So this one was a nine-inning game. Uh, it was started by Rick Porcello against CC Spathia. And uh, Spathia watched five guys and gave up only two hits. So that's seven base runners, and none of them scored because the Sox didn't score. Um, so terrible run producing there. Uh, Rick Porcello went six innings, gave up nine hits, three runs, one earned, no walks, six strikeouts. So, I mean, I'm not going to go too deep into this because I actually missed most of this game. But I can see three runs on 12 hits, zero runs on four hits. Uh, Lauren, you can certainly fill them in. But the way I see it is Rick Porcello, just another outing with no run support. What else is new? No, that's exactly it. It's was, it, This is ninth start now where they failed to score yep. at least one run. I think it was yep. like one or 
whatever it was. So I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Whatever this guy is on the mound, that they just they can't score. That they can't push runs across the plate. They can't score when they have opportunities. And it's so frustrating being out there, just sitting in the crowd, and everyone's cheering. They're yelling. They're they're wanting you to score. And there's ground ball after ground ball. There's strikeout after strikeout. It's they couldn't hit it out of the infield. And I'm like, of course they can't. It's Rick Porcello on the mound. If it was anybody else, they'd be <laughs> hitting home runs. They'd be, you know, smacking it to left field. It was just, it was, it was pretty painful to watch this afternoon. Yeah, and I think you know, watching that game, um, it was one of those things where you see it, and you know, Rick Porcello was good enough to win that game, and it's been happening. Uh, for a good point of this year, and we we joked about it before. He's like, this year is John Lackey. Like, cannot cannot get a run to save his life. And I think you know, overall, he's been, he hasn't been pitching as great as he did last year. But this is another case in point where, yeah, CC Sabathia pitched okay, and you know, you win the game if you're a Yankees fan. But if Rick Porcello got some run support, he pitched well enough to win that game if his offense just picked him up whatsoever. Yeah, three runs, one earned, six innings, quality start once again. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing people crap all over him because, yes, I know his ERA is high, but when you don't get runs for your team, it's kind of hard to do anything. I guess, it, what, is it just like massive karma from last year where you got tons of run support? They're like, ha-ha, Seriously, you thought we were going to give you runs? Baseball no gods are like, screw you. Like, Rick yeah. Porcell, you got a Cy Young Award. Now we're going to screw you over. Like, We're going to make everyone think you're terrible because we're not going to score anything ever for you. And I said this last week. It was, you know, he's he was 4-11, so he's 4-12 now. But you take those nine starts, you know, just take five of those starts where they're not losses. His record changes dramatically. It's it's unbelievable just, like, how quick you all over him. And, well, it's like, well, here he is, like, Cy Young hangover or whatever you want to call it. But it's, he's pitching well. He's just not getting run support. And I'll say it a hundred times over. If you don't score runs, you're not going to win. So people can't be so quick to be like, oh, he sucks and he's not the Cy Young pitcher he was last year. Like, no, maybe he's not, but he's not—he's not a four and twelve pitcher by any means. I mean, he gives you a chance to win, and then they decide not to win. He says, "Here, here's a chance." And they say, "Yeah, <laughs> I don't need a chance. I'm not scoring for him." It's like a mental thing. It's like, "Oh, he's pitching. Oh, we must not score, guys. No scoring here." Today. <laughs> it's sick. Baseball is a sick game. It is. <laughs> so that was unfortunate because now with the sixteen inning loss and the no run support loss, that put the the uh, standings even closer to uh, two and a half games at this point. But fortunately, they had another game on Sunday night that, as of show time here, recording time, just went final. And the flip was, <laughs> the flip was script. The script was flipped. Uh, <laughs> the flippity flop. <laughs> the score was flipped, and the Red Sox won 3 to nothing in this game. So two 3 nothing games today on Sunday. Uh, and this one went in the Red Sox' favor, so now it's back to three and a half games, just where we started. Each team took two games, so could be worse things. Obviously, it could be better, but the Sox are back up to 52-41 and 41 now. Yankees back down to 47-43. and 43. And, hey, man, I'll give him credit when he deserves it. David Price was great. He pitched eight innings, seven hits, no runs, no walks, eight strikeouts. He finally, might I say it, is becoming the pitcher that we thought he may one day be. Is well, I mean, guys? I mean, I mean, come on, let's I be fair. So. He, he pitched pretty well in the regular season last year. It's the... I'll give him credit. Yes, obviously, pitching well in the regular season. He was coming back from injury, so maybe now, you know, the last piece of the puzzle was the longevity, getting further and further into the games as he came back off the DL. Um, I, I don't I don't give him any credit until he does it in the playoffs because we know he can pitch in the regular season when he's healthy and kind of has that confidence. And good, he can yell at the media all he wants as long as he's pitching well. But that being said, it was a dominant start for him. It was eight innings, no runs, um, didn't really struggle too much, and, and the command was there. And now just, you know, Keep doing it, keeping that presence, and hopefully um, you swing a decent start come the playoffs, hopefully. Yeah, this is a, a great start for him, and this is exactly what he's needed. He's been pretty consistent since he, since he came back, and it's just it's really good to see from David Price. You know, that there's no walks. There's a lot of strikeouts. So, you know, a good amount of hits, but I don't care if he, he can get up 12 hits. He's not giving up the runs, which is extremely crucial because last year we all know he could he gave up run after run after run. So to see him come back and to see him after the whole you know media debacle, to see him just kind of bounce back is really, really good because that's exactly what we need right now. We don't have – our pitching is very good, but, you know, we have – 
Chris Sale, who is just absolutely dominant. Rick Porcello could use the run support, but we need David Price, who is who was signed on two years ago to be our ace. So now that he's pitching like our ace, it's it's got to give him some sort of confidence. Do you think it's about time for him to go confront a media member? That would be nice. I told you, guys, he can do all he wants as long as he pitches like this. Like, this is what we expect. I don't care what he says. Uh, He can be a head case. Like, just pitch well and don't care. You know, and he did that tonight. that's That's a step up for him, and it's the longevity that we've been looking for in these games. And now it needs to be a situation where he goes in, does, can continuously do this. Chris Sale, keep being Chris Sale. We love you for it, bud. Um, and then, you know, you move forward with e- Erod potentially coming back healthy off of his uh, rehab stint. You know, you have other guys in there. Drew Pomerantz has been okay. Uh, last start wasn't okay. great. But, oh, please, give, me, give us some credit. He's yeah, been great. Yeah. Um, he's, been great. he's been great. He's been consistent. Um, but that being, been great. that being said... You know, if that can stay together and David Price can longevity this into these games where he can get into a seventh inning situation, eighth inning situation consistently like he used to and like Purcell can do for you, then you have two guys at the top of the rotation, even without Porcello figuring it out, that can kind of do a lot of damage for you. Oh, it's huge. It's great. And, I mean, th- this is what they needed today. A lot of pitchers used. You know, I mean, this is 16 innings, you know, couple innings earlier today you need you need uh innings to be eaten and price decided to eat them for dinner and uh you know only kimberl had to be used for the ninth inning so it was huge in terms of that which is great so that was huge uh the runs in this game mookie betts did a two-run homer which was excellent in the third inning made it two to nothing off masahiro tanaka and then uh dustin bedroy an rbi single in the sixth to make it three nothing and that was it for the runs um Tanaka actually went seven and two thirds, so he almost went as deep as Price did. But unfortunately for him, he gave up eight hits in those darn three runs. Nine strikeouts too was probably his best game of the year because his ERA blows. He's five thirty three. He's had a poor year, but couldn't get the run support. He had Rick Porcello treatment today, so that was good uh, <laughs> for the Sox. They had eight hits total. Betts and Pedroia combined for five of them, so they were the two men today. So it was a Price Betts Pedroia showdown. Uh, good stuff today. And a couple stats here from the game that I know our own Lauren Campbell is going to mention in her fantastic recap that's coming up later tonight. Um, the last time the Sox played a doubleheader with the exact same score was September 10th, 2010 versus the White Sox. So that hasn't happened in seven years. Pretty exciting. And more importantly, this is the first time the Yankees have been shut out all season long, which almost happened really? on Saturday because they uh, were you know, three outs away from being shut out until Paul Day at the home run. But today yeah. it happened. So pretty pretty cool stats. Take notes, Lauren. Wow, I, Keep those write those I down. I know that I had no idea that the Yankees were not shut out at all this season. It's the second half of the freaking season. What do you mean yeah. they haven't been shut out? That's insane. No shut outs. I love it. I was tipped off by it on Saturday because people were like, Oh, so close. They almost got shut out for the first time of the year and then boom, tonight it happened. Pretty exciting. Love so, it. I love it. Good stuff. So um two and two week. Could have been worse, could have been better. Lots of innings, lots of baseball, lots of Yankees, lots of Red Sox. And we're going to give the MVP because there weren't that many games and there weren't that many runs. So we're giving it to Chris Sale. His boy's he good. Seven and two-thirds innings, 13 strikeouts, shutout, three hits, dominant, so nasty. We're giving the MVP, Chris Sale, count it. How can you not? And 13 strikeouts, season high, so you really just need to give it to him just because even every single start, even if it's a loss, he still pitches extremely well. Like, there's nothing nothing wrong. I mean, he gives up, you know, makes that mistake. He gives up a home run. He gives up two runs. But he's not giving up seven, eight runs. He's giving up two, three, four at the most. But he's getting 10 to 13 strikeouts per game. So, absolutely, like, I'm not going to argue with your choice there. I mean, with a short, short week, I mean, you go around, who can you pick? There's no one else. Chris Sale was dominant. Maybe David Price after seeing the way he pitched tonight, but... That being said, it's more fun giving it to Chris Hill because he's been so good all year. Um, so, you know, tough week. Oh, Jackie Bradley made great catch tonight. I want to throw that in there. Oh, yeah, honorable yes, mention. Did. That catch was phenomenal. Uh, I think he was robbing Judge in a home run. Yeah, it was it was filthy. Yes. Um, so, ignite the fire. Red Sox, Yankees. It might be back. Who knows? Um, but that being said, Chris Hill is your MVP. Just another recap. Uh, first in the history of video. Hope you guys like how he's dressed. He has an engagement photo shoot today. Uh, so <laughs> so he, he was able nice. to do that. Yeah, seriously. Maybe the last time ever. Yeah, so he told me. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, 
so his his uh his recap our opening segment of course powered by our good friends at SeatGeek ticketing out the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets get a twenty dollar rebate on your first purchase by downloading the SeatGeek app go to Go to the settings tab at the top, enter the promo code, which is Garden Report, all one word. You're going to get a $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase. And of course, they'll know who sent you us at CLS Media, of course. Uh, so, get the ticketing app, it's Garden Report, all one word. Good friends of the show. Um, guys, you know, tough week. I'd say, I think we expected more uh, out of the Red Sox. I think we expected more out of them going into the series. You know, had, they had a good chance to kind of grab, grab the division really. By the chokehold, basically, by the throat, and just keep it and just hold on to it. And now you come, like Jeff said, you're kind of coming out of this series where you started. Um, before we move on, guys, because we have a lot to talk about, just overall, are you disappointed the way this series, f- now that we know, see the recap and everything that went on, are you guys disappointed the way it happened, or are you guys okay with at least coming out of here the way we came into it? I mean, it's hard to be disappointed they're coming off, you know, the All Star break. You don't know how people are going to be, you know, well rested or more than rested. You know, we had Sale and Betts and Kimbrell in the All-Star game. So it's always hard to, to judge the first few the first few games, and especially coming off against the Yankees of all teams. I will definitely take the series how it went. Obviously, I wish it could have gone better, but we're still in first place. We still have recently on them. And last night's game could have easily gone either way. It went, you know, 16 innings. So, to say I'm disappointed, I, I'd be lying if I said I was, but I can't I can't overlook you know what we've talked about today. But overall, I think I'm I'm content with how the week has gone. Yeah, I'm not disappointed. I think that once you play a 16 inning game, everything kind of goes out the window because it's like if there were four nine inning games with a doubleheader, it's like fine two and two. You know that's totally reasonable. You hope for three out of four, or if as Jared said, a sweep. Uh, sweet dreams. Um, but <laughs> with 16 in a game, that, I honestly feel like that changes things and really anything can happen at that point. When you lose that 16 in a game, then, you know, whatever. <laughs> you no, know, I, I want to say I'm disappointed because I think my expectations, obviously, I, the, with the prediction, I thought they were going to sweep them. But at the same time, you know, winning three out of four was so, was so close because of what happened in that um, in the 16 in game. So that, that, I think that game was obviously the big difference. But overall, you know, happy to come in out of that series, at least somewhat decent into where they came into it. Um, and hey, still in first place, you're still above the Yankees, so kind of a win in my books, and uh, have a good stretch of games coming up, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, first, let's talk about, you know, the big news that happened this week. Um, pun kind of intended, I guess, but uh, Pablo Sandoval was finally, finally, DFA'd this week. Uh, no more Pablo on the Red Sox, you know, if, if you don't know, basically when you get DFA'd, you have an option, you can Go to the minors if you want to. They give you that option, or and they have the team has ten days to decide that trade you or they owe you money basically, and they just outright release you. Uh, that's going to be what's happening with the Red Sox. Apparently, um, Dombrowski said they've been looking to shop him for a while now, and no team's really bit. At, why would they? Um, and they offered Pablo Sandoval the option to go to AAA at Pawtucket and play off, you know, every day and have the opportunity to kind of work his way back into it. But he has enough tenure in the league and years of service that he can refuse that and did. said, absolutely not. I'm not going to Pawtucket. I'm not good enough for that. Not enough good restaurants in Pawtucket. Like, why am I going to go there? Um, so, <laughs> no, so why, so why, why would I do that? No. Um, so he is going to be DFA'd. He was DFA'd. Has it been official yet? I don't think it's official yet. But um, he will no longer be a member of the Boston Red Sox, which is very exciting. Uh, it sounds like a Giants reunion might be a possibility. Good for them. You can keep him. Um, and I was a big defender of this guy, but guys, overall, you know, people have been comparing this to the Carl Crawford situation. A lot's been going on. Celebration. I think children have been dancing in the streets, and it's been great. And I think overall, he's a bigger bust than Crawford. But either way, um, I think it's just happy to finally get this out of the way. You know, you have two guys playing third base while at this point, you know, same day too. Devers was Devers was promoted to AAA the same day they announced the Sandoval news funny it's uh i knew that this was coming that's something big with sandoval was coming and and we know that he can be a decent third baseman so it's really unfortunate that he couldn't make the transition over from the giants to to boston but you know he's laughing all the way to the bank with the red sox so i mean good for him for getting his money and getting out of here but 
at the same time, like, I need to applaud the Red Sox for DFAing him, because when I feel like they're, when they DFA'd him, they're kind of admitting, okay, we messed up. Like, this was not the best signing we've had, and I never thought there would be a signing that would make Carl Crawford look better than what it was. So, it's, like I said, it's unfortunate. It's a $95 million bust, and it sucks, because I don't I don't want to see any of our players go through what he did, but it was obviously time to cut ties. And with Devers, the only thing that I'm kind of nervous of is them rushing him. I don't, I don't think they are, but you know, their promotion coming to AAA, probably September call up will, will be coming for him, but it definitely makes me nervous that they're going to rush him and just kind of not destroy his confidence, but it's, it's kind of scary when third base is okay right now. Like you don't want to rush a good thing. But see, I don't think they even will rush a good thing because, you know, Marrero's been playing well against lefties. Lynn's been good. And I think the ultimate sign that they're not going to rush him is they changed Lynn's jersey number. Like, Lynn is wearing number five right now. And, you know, people kind of aren't really talking about that as much. But, like, you know, when you switch a jersey number, especially in the middle of the year, you're not going to send this guy up and down a million times. Like he's saying. And John Farrell and, and these guys have said, you know, there's a, there's something with Lynn in the locker room and in the clubhouse that can't be ignored. They're naming they're naming this guy Linsanity and all these different nicknames and it's like he might not be playing every day, but he has something that, you know, Pablo couldn't bring and just people this locker room has been lacking. It's been that quick leadership and something about him apparently, you know, we're not obviously in the locker room unfortunately, but apparently there's something in that that the clubhouse sparked around and clearly they, they like the guy if they're gonna platoon him and change his number and it looks like that's gonna be the plan here until it all else fails and obviously Frazier's in the rumor we'll talk about that in a minute. But right now uh, it seems like Devers isn't going to be rushed, which is a really good thing in my eyes. How funny is that that Lynn is getting his number changed when he came from Double A to the majors? He didn't go to Triple A. No, Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts style. So that's pretty cool. Uh, in terms of Sandoval, first of all, Jared, I think it's hilarious how excited you are about this because you've been like you said, you've been backing him for all. I this tried time, so hard like, to support yeah. the guy. I tried so hard. You guys know that. Boy, I liked. I was a big supporter. But how can I support a guy when he just won't try hard? Doesn't even want to go to Triple A. Like if he went to Triple A and tried to work out of it, I'd support him. Great. I want you to get better. But now, good riddance. He he could give two craps about playing in the Red Sox uniform. Yeah, and I mean his rehab stint too. They said he wasn't improving from his from his ear infection, the flu. He wasn't improving his game even then. So it's like, yeah. So I mean, boy, what a bust. This guy had every chance, and he couldn't either. Couldn't stay. I mean position was his this year they said here take it we traded to have a shot for you and then he's like nah you get hurt and be terrible and do all the that made it crap. worse they didn't give him competition oh, like i know they said they, here have the job yeah like if they kept travis shaw and that is looking worse and worse by the, the day here but you know if you keep travis shaw he's a utility guy at that point if you really want to start sandoval fine but then you have travis shaw as you back up for first for third you could have just played first i love mitch moreland i'm glad you signed him but like you might not have had to sign mitch moreland you know, if he kept Travis Shaw, he could have played first. There's options there. And then, you know, there's other other ways to deal with it. I think they screwed the big time on this on this situation. And um, they misread, you know, Sandoval being in shape over the winter were actually caring. I mean, clearly it seemed like from the start that Sandoval was just happy to rest on his three championship laurels and say, yeah, whatever. I already won three rings. It's He's like being paid he $50 million dollars to go away, Jess. They literally are paying $50 million to go sit in Florida and eat cheeseburgers. So clearly he's satisfied with not producing here because he's like, I already have my three rings. Like, that was the worst, probably. The, him winning three rings was probably the worst thing that could happen to the Red Sox because he just didn't care anymore. Did, I mean, how did the guy care? It was great because when I told my grandmother that they can't him, my grandmother is the biggest Sox fan there is out there. And she was like, oh, well, it's about time. And he had a sore finger. A sore elbow, sore soul. The way she was talking about him, she was just like so happy he was gone. To hear her talk about like badly of a Red Sox player, because she doesn't say a lot of bad things about. Her, but for her to just have him, and I was like, I'm so this is, like, this, this is definitely a bus signing. Yeah, and I mean, I read a story uh, yesterday. It was comparing his signing to all the other ones in both Red Sox history and Major League Baseball. It was He was comparing it, it was Tim Britton, he was comparing it from a wins above replacement period and then wins above replacement like with money involved, like with his contract and how he played and how his like, war compared to his 
contract. It was very confusing, and I'm not really too sharp on those kinds of things. But basically what he found was that just by war standards, he is the worst signing in history, period, with how he played, how few games he played, and what his numbers were in terms of offense and defense combined. And then when he put the money into it, he was third worst uh, and one one of those two contracts was A Rod's two hundred forty five million dollar deal with the Yankees because it was so much money and he didn't produce to the level of the money and basically Tim Britton said the only reason it wasn't Sandoval wasn't first in terms of money is because the other contracts were bigger so basically what he came down to was that literally it was like the worst signing ever. Do you guys want to know how much he made per game that he played? Too much. Yes. Well, yeah. $621,000. So I was like, you was a lot. $621,000. I like to not think about money in terms of this because it just makes me sad. About yes. how he can it do was... that, be a fat lard, and not make and make that much money, and we have to work our butts off in everyday life. And not even every come close day. to that every day. And not even come close to that. So it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I hate comparing I hate comparing everyday lives to them because it's not even close to the same structure of like a blue-collar worker versus like a pro athlete anywhere um but i think you know with this luckily the red sox are a big market team and they can kind of get away with it for this conversation a lot in the sports talk in this area in the boston area if you are listening and live around you've probably heard the conversation but it's just uh you know does the team does the league have to look at this as a bigger picture of something needs to change because the players have a lot of power um in terms of these contracts and they can just do this and now all these these guaranteed money and things like that it's do they need to change something um, to fix it. And that's another conversation for another night because that could be two hours worth of content. But um, that being said, Pablo's animal is gone. You're platooning at third base. Really two options. One, you, you keep that going. I don't think Devers is really an option until September. I don't think it's even worth it. Um, or you trade for help. And it sounds like Todd Frazier's pretty much through the Red Sox clubhouse door except logistical issues and how much they want to pay for him. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors. There's been a lot of reports about Todd Frazier uh, the White Sox are clearly dealing away. They just traded Quintana to the Cubs, who actually pitched really well tonight for the Cubs. Luckily for him, didn't have to move too far uh, to play for his new team. But, you know, with this situation, Todd Frazier might actually be a really good fit, guys. I think that, you know, he's not hitting that well for average, but I think it's a little deceiving of what he can do. He's solid third baseman. Obviously, it's for power, and I think for what you can probably get him for, it's probably worth it because if you really want to contend with the team you have this year, a platoon at third base with two really young guys isn't going to help. No, but my only concern is I don't want them giving up too much to get somebody who's hitting 210 right now when Sandoval was hitting 212. I'm not trying to compare, like, apples to oranges or whatever, but I just, my only concern is them giving away too much. And, you know, the whole Tyler Thornburg thing, we still have yet to see him pitch and for a guy that we gave away, and look what he's doing now. So that's my only concern with that. When I, and I've said it the last two or three weeks that third base, we're doing all right. So there's no, like, I don't think there's an immediate need for a third baseman, especially when we have Devers in the minors. It's just, it's, there's a lot of question marks around that for me right now. Yeah. I like the platoon because Marrero and Lynn have done really well. I'm screw Marrero's hitting like 450 in the last, like three weeks. (laughs) He's been on an absolute tear. And then, you know, Lynn is, you know, he's gotten some big hits. He's got a couple triples playing good defense. So like, they've been good. I do like Todd Frazier in terms of power. He's at 16 home runs this year. And as we know, Red Sox aren't doing a whole lot in the uh, power department as they're last in the AL in home runs. So I like that. I don't like his 210 average. I don't like his 247 career average. But the power was good. And like Jared said, it's, you know, if you're going for a pennant race and you got a platoon at third base of two really young guys, how well is that going to work out? Maybe not so well, but I love the two guys, man. They, they're fun. They really they really made it exciting. Brock Holt, too, he's back. He came back today. So Yep. But see, I'm not even saying I hate watching those guys. I love the I love the idea right now. But it's just if they're thinking improve this team, if they're really being buyers for a legit opportunity, then I wouldn't trust two young guys to save my life in October in the ALCS game to go to the World Series platooning rather than you know a guy who's been there um, who, who can hit in the clutch. Who, you know what I mean? So it, it's worth that if, if you can get it for a decent deal. I agree though, with you, especially with you, Lauren, when you said it. You know he has a track record right now of throwing away our farm system and not producing at all. So don't give up too much for him. But if you can get Frazier here at a decent price, and it sounds like that's really where the conversation is at this point for everyone that's talking about it, reporting on it in the area. It's really just a matter of price. And I think if the price is right, why why not take a shot on a guy, at least for the rest of this year, because Devers could even be up here every day come next year. 
mean, I, I'd hope to see him every day next year if he's ready. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Frazier here. It's not that I don't like the guy. I just worry about Dombrowski giving too much for too little. Not to go off topic here, but you said the, the price is right. Did you guys <laughs> see that commercial with Price Right and Sale? Yes, loved it. No. That was absolutely, so absolutely, absolutely loved. No. Lauren, you would eat oh that commercial God, up. That commercial is fantastic. Yeah, it was David the, Price the, for Chris Sale, and the, uh, it's on sale. Oh, but okay, but it's a money. It's like oh, it's it's so great. It's uh, so fun. I'm yeah, gonna have to everybody, <laughs> everybody out there, check it out if you haven't seen it because that just sparked my memory and it was so funny. Yeah, they did a great job in it. So sorry to uh, you just. You said the price no. is right. No, oh like, my oh, god! Price right sale. No, this is the price <laughs> is right. No, it's on sale. Okay, how much is it? No, it, it's on sale. It's okay. <laughs> oh, it, it was so, it was so it was so great. No, it, it was amazing. I'm so happy you brought that up. Um, but but yeah, look, I, I think try to get back on topic. Um, the platoon could work for now. I think it is working, right? I think that it's fine. They're doing well there. Like you said, Marrero's raking right now. Last few weeks, so. Let it work, but at the same time, in the next couple of weeks, you have an opportunity here to, to do something. Now, if I had a priority, I'd rather you get bullpen help at this point because if you're going to get something, you know, especially Joe Kelly went on the DL, um, so who knows if it's 10 days, but who knows if that might linger. Um, you don't know because it doesn't sound like Karsten is coming back at all now for this year, so like that, that's going to blow up in your face. I know Justice's reaction is awful. It's terrible. It, it's terrible. It's not, it's it's not good. Bitch. Seriously. So the bullpen might be where you want to start. But at the same time, if there really isn't anything out there worth going for and you can bring in Todd Frazier for cheap, I'm all for it. Um, but you guys got to think that if they're going to make a move, it's got to be the bullpen at this point. Yeah, this Joe Kelly thing is very frustrating because he was it's great. He pitched well. Yeah, they were like, oh, he's our eighth inning guy. He's going to pitch more than more than every other day, blah, blah, blah. They were so into it. And they're like, guess what? He's in the deal with a strained hamstring. Where'd that come from? I. You know, I was just out and about, and I get the alert. It's like, oh, Red Sox play Show Kelly on the DL. I'm like, why? Like, what happened? Like, he's we know been he's a flower, too, so it's probably going to be like three months. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> he might as well be Clay Buckholz, how, how fragile he is. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what concerned me, because I was like, oh, no. Like, right like right after the, the All-Star break, and right when, you know, he's been pitching well all season. So I'm like, great. Like, this isn't going to be a 10-day thing. I have a feeling it's going to be like a 10-, 12-week thing. Which is extremely concerning because, you know, where we're at in the season, 10, 12 weeks is going to put us at the end of the season. And we need bullpen more than ever because we see what they can do. We see what, what they're capable of when our starters, even when they go seven or eight innings, we see what they're capable of even when they can go four or five innings. See, the one thing that has me optimistic, I know, shocker me, um, with Joe Kelly is the fact that he's not a starter anymore. You know, hamstrings do linger and he's fragile like nobody else, but at the same time, if you're not pitching continuously and you're kind of pitching every day, but like one inning at a time, you can kind of get up for it. You can kind of warm yourself up enough to pitch. It might hurt like hell afterwards, but at the same time, you know, you could probably finish a year on that if you kind of get enough treatment in the next 10 days or so. Now, I think it's going to be more than 10 days on the DL. They'll probably put them on like the 15-day DL after that. I don't know, whatever, but I think at the same point, it's not. I don't think it's going to go to September that might be the one optimistic thing of me looking into it is that the fact that one inning at a time, not every night possibility. I think there's a good chance that, you know, he might be able to pitch through it and just kind of his body might kind of heal itself while he's throwing. Doesn't the 15 day DL not exist anymore? They took it away completely. Isn't that what the 10 is now? I thought they added the 10. I don't know. I could, I could be completely wrong. Uh, but if that's the case, then can they put him on the 10 again? Can they re up it? How do they do that? They just keep him on the deal. You think it's like ten, and then they yeah. can like, like they retroactivate it or whatever, and then or they can push it forward. I don't know. Right, because they're always longer, longer than ten days. Yeah, yeah, but you're, yeah. So I don't know. Um, Stupid. Yeah. So way, I, I hate bullpens or any really position because injuries ruin everything. It's like, hey, you got a good bullpen. You got one of the best pens in the league. Ha, Joe Kelly. See ya. You know, it's like, man, nobody can stay healthy. It's like, give me healthy people. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the, you have one of the best things going in the league, and then boom. One injury. See ya. Dice and they, and, and they could they could have used them, and you know, they're, and they're going to be able to want to use them. So I, I think you know, uh, I hate to say the wait and see type thing, but at this point, we know it's something that lingers like a hamstring and a guy who has injury history like Joe Kelly. Uh, you, you just have to wait and see, and um, kind of hope that he doesn't w- wait till September to kind of decide he's healthy. But uh, that being said, you know, a lot going on in the Red Sox world. Uh, show's about to wrap out here. We we'll obviously want to get to our predictions before we get out of here. But that being said. 
quickly, guys, let's talk about the All-Star game because we haven't been on, you know, we were kind of on after the home run derby. We talked about how much we loved it, but we haven't shared our th- thoughts on the All-Star game. And, you know, Chris Sale, Mookie Betts, and Kimbrel, they all contributed. Kimbrel got the win. Uh, Chris Sale had a phenomenal two innings, and Mookie Betts threw the guy out at second. So, look, they all contributed in a good way, but I think I think the bigger thing that we should talk about is the format of it um, because I think that got a lot of I would say controversy, but just communication around Major League Baseball. Um, did, what did you guys think about, you know, A-Rod rocking around and um, Bryce Harper talking to Joe Buck about the Dallas Cowboys in the middle of the inning in the outfield and all this stuff that kind of usually don't see, uh, but because it didn't count, they kind of could tailor all that kind of stuff in. A-Rod should be in jail. Okay. <laughs> Personal thoughts aside, the broadcast, Jess. Well, yeah, he shouldn't be on the field. He shouldn't be anywhere. He should be in a hole in the ground. He should be banned from baseball, at least. Exactly. Digging so up like them holes, dig. That's all I think about. We say hole in the ground. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, I. I think it's a cool touch. It's cool to like push it up, but like also with baseball. So yeah, it's kind of weird having Joe Buck talk. Well, Joe Buck talking to anyone sucks, but Joe Buck talking to Bryce Harper on the field during the game. Like he said about the Cowboys, weird. A Rod's like on the field, like as they're warming up. It's like, what are you doing? Like I'm all for like switching things up. But it was just a little bit strange to me. It was strange. Like I understand to a point, like why they did it. But at the same time, like said Jess, I, I can't stand Joe Buck. Him talking to anybody is just terrible. Mm-hmm. And But the game itself, I absolutely loved it. You know, I, uh, minus Joe Buck, I absolutely loved it. I love the All-Star game. I count down to the All-Star game. I look forward to it every year. And, you know, this year, the only thing I didn't like about it is they didn't really do anything for Jose Fernandez. And I understand, you know, maybe it wasn't their place to do it, but that's where he played. That's where he built his career. And I heard his like they invited his mom out to the game. I don't know if it was her decision to decline or maybe they really didn't invite her. But that's my only issue with it. They didn't really do anything for him at all. Bryce Harper had this cleat thing, which was awesome. But overall, I absolutely enjoyed the game. I recapped the game. It was great. It was so much fun. And good recap. Both got the win. Thank you. You you would have <laughs> been, you would have been there if it was at Fenway. Um... <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I should have been there. It was in Miami. It's a three-hour flight super easy to get there yeah seriously pretty sure lauren has a second bed somewhere in Venway we don't know about um <laughs> but look no i honestly i loved it you know why not like make it a little more interesting you know with all-star games most people don't take it seriously to watch it um other sports people don't watch it anymore like nba all-star game boring uh no one watches the pro bowl few people even know what the pro bowl is anymore um you know it gives that little bit of an extra twist people brought up you know wanting to do it during a regular season game that'd be kind of weird um, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it. Why not? Cool. Whatever. But at the same time, you know, to hear Bryce Harper just casually go at Joe Buck and be like, hey, Joe, like, how, how's my boy Dak going to do this year? Like, you don't hear that every day. So, and I, I love Bryce Harper. We all know that here on the show. Most of us do. But I, I think Bryce Harper doing that is a good thing. Um, and baseball needed something like that. Game was meh, kind of boring. Uh, that kind of stuff livened it up a little bit. Um, but overall, I thought the whole All-Star weekend was phenomenal. We talked about the home run derby last weekend with Judge. Um, guy's a freak of nature. Um, but that little twist, I think, made it a little more bearable. Because I can't listen to Jess Mendoza. I can't listen to any of that stuff. Um, so I'd rather listen to the Joe Buck talk about the Dallas Cowboys during an All-Star game than anything else. I have a couple thoughts on the game. Yeah, this stuff. Um, one thought is how funny is it that they went to this time it counts because the game went to extra innings and ended in a tie, and then the first game after it not counting again goes to extra innings again. How's that for something interesting? Yeah, that is really interesting. interesting. First thing I thought, I was like, wow, again? Let's have it count again. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, my other thought was Chris Sale was jacked up, guys. He threw 100 miles per hour. Yeah, you could tell he was amped to be there. Like Back-to-back years, back-to-back starts for different teams, but he's on a good team this year. You know, he's amped up, he's there, and you can tell he was, he's a psychopath. We all know that. And I think that just kind of, his inner psychopath really just came out during the All-Star game. Now, it needs to come out the rest of the year, but that being said, he was, he was fantastic. Well, it's funny, too. So much fun to watch. So much fun. Lost texted me, and he was like, Sales doesn't throw 100 usually, does he? And I was like, no. And then I looked it up, and the last time Sale threw 100 miles per hour was in 2010 in in his rookie year. So that was not normal for him. But he was he was amped up and it was awesome. It was great. It was so much fun just to see him go there and pitch for you know the American League, represent the Red Sox and everything. Um, real quick, I do want we've seen it all over Twitter. I'm sure you guys have too, Jared. I know you've talked about it too. But like 
how bad is Jess Mendoza? And I know this is from like Homer Derby, but oh. I've seen I've seen so many people like ridicule her because of how she is a, as an analyst. And I've got people jumping in on Twitter like, "Oh, you're just saying that because she's a woman." Like, no, they're saying it no, because no. she's not <laughs> good. And it's it's nothing against. She's very good at like she know she knows what she's talking about. She's very knowledgeable. Her prep is absolutely insane. She she's so good at what she does. She just doesn't have the personality or the voice for for play by play. And it, it is what it is. There's, there's nothing against her. It's just she's not she's not good. She's not good to listen to. And see, you know, I've never seen it, but you know, people, you know, when you say it out loud, you know, Jess Mendoza does softball broadcasts other around. You know, we, you know, she was a talented softball player. Um, it's one of those things where she's not good at it because she never did it. Like it's one thing to be a play by play guy and talk about it and, and be able to have the talent to call a game and do your research. But as an analyst, you should be you should be talking about more about, you know, deep things that people don't know about. I know if a ball is spinning, it's a curveball. Like, I know if a guy misses the ball at the top versus the bottom, he probably missed it because it was a curveball. Like, it's little things like that. that And Aaron Boone, and it's not just Mendoza. I think Aaron Boone's really not good at his job either. But at the same time, Mendoza is just so dull um, and so just meh that... Overall, it's just not a good sign for Sunday Night Baseball. You know, it's gotten pulled back now that only thing ESPN does for baseball is Sunday Night Baseball, and it's not good. It's not good. No one wants to watch him. I was, you know, streaming the game here on my phone while doing the show because that's how dedicated I am to this team, and I had her on mute, and it's not just because I was recording. Like, I watch her on mute half the time anyway. Um, when I watch Sunday Night Baseball, I choose not to turn her on. Like, it's just, it's at the point where it's really hard. In, in the home run derby, it was... I don't care. Like, she was screaming, oh, my God, look at the guy's reactions. Look at the guy's reactions. And I'm like, you sound like a little high school girl going, oh, my God, look at those cute boys over there. Look at the way they're reacting. Like, that's how she sounded, and it just doesn't come off as professional. And the, she can do as much research as she wants, but her just she, you can't change how meh her voice is. And it's not because she's a girl. Like, it's not at all. Like, I don't care. Whatever, you do you. But, like, if you're good at your job, do it. But she's not. And I think, you know, ESPN made a big mistake hiring her. Um, obviously they had kind of had to fire Schilling, but I, I think Kurt Schilling was a lot better than what's going on. And it's, it was funny cause I was at work during the, uh, during the home run derby and I had the TV up just loud enough where it wasn't going to disturb anybody, but I had to, I had to turn it down because all I could hear was her going, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I was like, okay, like this relax because like I said, it's like, you know, being a high school girl, but and it's nothing against, I'll say it a hundred times, there's nothing against her being a woman, which a lot of people out there seem to think that's that's the thing. It's She's just not made for it. And it's, it's unfortunate because I was I was amped for her. I was so excited that ESPN brought her on because I, I have a lot of respect for her. It's just not for her. And it, and it is what it is. Yeah, no, it, it really isn't for her. And I don't think it's going to change because they want that. Um, I, I think they want that diversity they want that three-man booth i hate the three-man booth by the way it's terrible uh it's another argument but the the three-man booth in anything it shouldn't isn't good because they talk over each other they say the same thing and if you really do know baseball you're you're gonna say the same thing and now because aaron boone and jessman Doge are so stereotypical they're so common sense to the way they say things they're 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 meh and it's boring and i can't stand it and just everyone knows my feelings on jess mendoza and it's never going to change every time she comes up i'm just going to barf because it's, it's just awful. Um, it, it's so stupid. But anyway, um, let's do the uh, let's get predictions here before we get out of here for the week. Um, you know, you have four against Toronto, three against the Angels. Obviously, Toronto's at home. Then they hit the West Coast. But you know, looking at the schedule, guys, it's a lot of the traveling's done. You know, it's, you have a pretty fair, favorable schedule. A lot of these games are coming up at home. If you look at the schedule, a lot of red, meaning home, is coming up. And yeah, you have to go to the West Coast for three against the Angels this week. But that being said, a lot of home games coming up. So, Lauren, a lot of opportunity for you to go to some games. <laughs> I, I know. I'm so excited. But obviously I'll be at a plethora of games for the rest of the season. But going for into Toronto, I think uh, as bad as Toronto is, I I think they're going to win three. The, the Red Sox are going to win three out of four from Toronto. I don't, as much as I want to say that they're going to take, I don't think they will. There's always that one thing. Something happens, you know, Kimbrell has a slip up or we can't score runs because Porcello's on the mound. So I think 
three out of four is reasonable. Um, you know, home, they're, they're home, so. But there's always something against Toronto. I know they're bad this season, but there's always something that happens when we play the not-so-great teams. Seriously. Um, yeah, I have them winning three out of four against Toronto. I believe Justice, too. I think Justice is having some technical issues right now. But um, Justice has them winning three out of four against Toronto, too. It's really just a matter of, in a four-game series, I know I predicted it last week, but at the same time, it's hard to sweep a four-game series, no matter who you're playing, because baseball, uh, it's just one of those things. So it, I think it's definitely hard. So winning three out of four there. Um, now, this is where I think uh, we differ here. Um, more than three against the Angels on the road, on the West Coast. I have them losing two out of three against the Angels. Now, Angels aren't a good baseball team, but they still do have talent on that roster, and I feel like this is the kind of series where you know, Red Sox go traveling, they can't really handle themselves, and I think this might be a little slip-up here. I don't consider a split against the Yankees really a slip-up, but I consider losing two out of three to the Angels a slip-up, but I think this is, might be that time for it. Yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from, but I think that going totally opposite of you, I think they're going to win two out of three. Um, I know the Angels lineup does have talent, but I also know the Red Sox lineup has talent, which obviously you know too. And I think they're going to kind of bounce back from this Yankees series. I know that it could have gone much worse, but I think that overall they're going to take this and they're just going to keep running with this division. I don't think there's any way they're going to really lose to two crappy teams. No, you'd be shocked. You know, this is like... We talk about it all the time, and then Jess has them going two out, winning two out of three. Of them going for a five and two week as well, and um, I, I'm not predicting it, but I think you know this is the um, this is the situation where these are weeks where you have to take advantage of. We talk about it a lot. I always bring it up when you have those kind of weeks. You know, those weeks when you play Tampa and the A's or something like that back to back. You're playing four against the Toronto team that just isn't good this year for some reason, and then three against the Angels, who just like, are a mediocre team. And uh, this is a week where you know five and two would be happy, um, six and one would be great. But you know th- that kind of week, and just keep taking control of this division. Now you know you control it. Um, it would have been nice to kind of stretch out a little more during this stre- span you had here. But overall, this is a good week to kind of gain some more ground uh, and, and kind of set yourself between the Rays uh, and the Yankees. Yeah, a really big week, and you know it's good that they split with the Yankees. Like I said, it could have gone much worse. They could have they could have you know a half game lead over them right now. So they 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 still have plenty of time. There's plenty of baseball. Building sooner rather than later is going to be crucial. Yeah, no, I think that this is the time for the Red Sox. Um, and this is the time for us to say goodnight and bid you all fair due for a week. Um, don't forget, of course, follow all of CLNS on Twitter at CLNS Media, Facebook, the same thing. Search us there. Uh, thanks to our show sponsor, of course, our good friends at SeatGeek. Search the Park Garden Report promo code in the settings tab. You get that $20 rebate. Uh, on Twitter, of course, we are um, at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Uh, if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Stitcher, um, the whole nine yards. We're happy to kind of be here for you during the season. It's ramping up. Uh, big week of baseball ahead. Kind of they're all big weeks at this point. But uh, Pablo Sandoval is no longer Red Sox, so there's reason to celebrate. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, for Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas. Uh, my name is Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. Uh, we'll be back next week.